They called themselves disciples of thrice-greatest Hermes, and sometimes spoke of their faith as the religion of the mind. They were, prior to and contemporary with, the origins and earliest centuries of Christianity, and they lived in Egypt. What remains of their scriptures, and what can be gleaned of their endeavour, has recently been made more accessible in the English tongue through my translation efforts, in such fashion as I have been able to reproduce their thought and interpret it. The labour of many months is ended. The task of reproduction is accomplished and the echoes of the gnosis of thrice greatest Hermes are audible across the centuries for English ears in fuller volume than before, and I hope in greater clarity. It is no small thing, this gnosis of ten thousand times great Hermes, as Zosimus in an ecstasy of enthusiasm calls him, for it has as its foundation the single love of God, It endeavours to base itself upon the true philosophy and pure science of nature and of man, and is indeed one of the fairest forms of the gnosis of the ages. It is replete with wisdom, theosophia, and worship, theosobea, in harmony, the religion of the mind. It is, in its beginning religion, true devotion and piety and worship, based on the right activity and passivity of the mind, and its end, is the gnosis of things that are, and the path of the good that leads man unto God. Do I claim too much for the gnosis of thrice greatest Hermes? I only echo what he teaches in his own words, or rather those of his disciples. The claim made is for an experiential gnosis, not for the forms of its expression used by its learners and hearers. All these forms of expression, The many sermons, or sacred discourses, of the disciples of this way are but means to lead men towards the Gnosis. They are not the Gnosis itself. True, much that is set forth appears to me to be very beautifully expressed, and I have been delighted with many a thought and phrase that these nameless writers and thinkers of years long ago have handed down to us in the fair Greek tongue. All this, however, is as a garment that hides the all-beautiful natural form and glory of the truth. The important matter is that all these theosophists of the Trismegistic tradition declare with one voice, a sweet voice, that carries with it conviction within to the true knower in our inmost soul, that there is gnosis and certitude, full and inexhaustible, No matter how the doubting mind, opinion, the counterfeit mind, may weave its magic of contrary appearances about us. Seeing, then, that I now have a fairly clear knowledge of what has been written of this religion of the mind, I will set down a few thoughts on this subject as they occur to me, an impression or two that the contemplation of the beautiful sermons of the disciples of the master mind has engraved upon my memory. And first of all, I would say that I regard it as a great privilege to have been permitted by the gods to be a hander-on in some small way of these fair things. For indeed, it is a great privilege and high honour to be allowed, in any fashion, to forward the preparation for the unveiling of the beauties of the Gnosis in the hearts of one's fellows, even in so insignificant a way as that of translating and commenting on that which has already been set forth by greater minds in greater beauty centuries ago.
I feel gratified, joyful, and thankful that so pleasant a task has been granted by the providence of God as a respite on the way, to use a phrase of Plotinus. And so, as in all sacred acts, we begin with praise and thankfulness to God, as Hermes teaches us. The disciple of the Master may interject that all acts are sacred for one who is a man, and not a procession of fate. He who is coming to himself, who from the unconscious and the dead state of ordinary, is beginning to return to consciousness and rise into the eternal life of divine awareness.